Ah, welcome aboard. Welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people explode into their lives through full impact mindfulness. There is no admission fee, only the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. So welcome aboard. Let the adventure begin. I'm Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist, and today we're joined by one of our favorite guests, Ms. Natalie Brenzavenga. Mm Miss -hmm. Natalie, welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. I love your little intro. <laughs> so melodic. It's beautiful. <laughs> so uh, it's been a bit. Uh, yeah. The passages of time, the currents of life continue to flow mm -hmm. all over. So tell us, uh, tell us about your flow of life. Tell us some of the things that you've seen and experienced on the way since we last spoke. Yeah, since we last spoke, I think... I'm trying to remember the last time we were actually together, but since then, I know my grandmother, I think, has passed away. And I, and then obviously everybody's experienced COVID in their own ways. This pandemic has really thrown everyone for a loop. And then I decided to quit my job at the Post Gazette. And now I'm doing a bunch of different projects and it's been really interesting. And I started therapy myself, grief therapy. So that's been really cool. So I've been trying to just, like you kind of said, going with the flow. I'm not trying to fight what's going on right now in the world or with myself. I'm just trying to be present in the moment and see where it see where it goes because everything's a little unpredictable right now. Well, everything is unpredictable. And one of the things, uh, as you are a therapist yourself, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that you're taught in therapy school mm -hmm. is to expect the unexpected. That is for sure. <laughs> And nothing helps you experience that more fully than sort of all of these different things that we've had happen to us. And it and it's funny, you know, on the collective level, we've had the pandemic, we've had the economic fallout from that. And then we've had this incredible second wave civil rights justice movement come through. And so you compile that. But then on top of it, you have all of the things that people are already going through in their personal lives, right? It's like nothing nothing stops there. So I think people, myself included, are just feeling a lot of layers of experiences and emotions all at once. And it's, it can be very overwhelming. I like that term, layers of experience. Mm -hmm. So the beginning, the opening line to A Tale of Two Cities mm. is, it was the best of times, yes. it was the worst of times. So it, just as we talked about before, the horse has two ends, mm -hmm. the front end and mm -hmm. the back end, and the horse doesn't move. Right. Okay. Right. It's your perspective and what you want to look at. Mm -hmm. So the Germans have a word called Zeitgeist, mm -hmm. and it's what it means is the mood in the mood of an era. Mm. Okay. Like the Zeitgeist of the sixties, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, the Zeitgeist of the seventies, uh, Zeitgeist of the Cold War, and uh, the dissolution of East Germany. Those type yeah. of things. So, what would you say that the mood, the Zeitgeist, is uh, not only in the United States, Natalie? in the world? I would say the mood is transformative. Like I'm definitely an optimistic person and I've been really reflecting on what I'm seeing, not just in, in Pittsburgh, not just in Pennsylvania, not just in the United States, not just, you know, but around the world. And there really does seem to be a sense of transformation that could really happen right now. And I know a lot of people feel very pessimistic about the place that we're in, but, you know, I try to look at things from that 30,000 view and say, well, we've been through this before. I mean, peoples have always been through things before. Th that is not new. Overcoming adversity and 
overcoming injustice. That's what that's what humans do, right? That's what really connects us. And I think right now I'm feeling that sense of connectivity, not just to people in my community, but all over the globe in a way that I really hadn't even six months ago. And so for me, I think this is a very transformative moment in world history. And if we really can find a way to, to use that to the betterment of, of humanity, I think we could see something really incredible happen in the next 50 years. Well, I'll play devil's advocate just a moment with you. Yeah. So we can look at it that way. We all have a common type of obstacle in front of us, which one is the COVID virus. Mm-hmm. Number two is the economic uh, collapse, if mm-hmm. you could say that, yeah. of the United States, and the emphasis on social justice, mm-hmm. okay? The Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. uh, the climate change, I guess, which kind of got pushed to the background um, of this. Uh, however, there's no solidified voice or action toward dealing with this. There seems to be uh, opposing sides Mm -hmm. on the COVID issue. There seems to be opposing sides on the economic Mm -hmm. uh, migration of the United States, which I believe has exasperated and exposed uh, the economic inequalities in the Mm -hmm. United States. I believe that the Black Lives Matter has finally uh, maybe woken some people up mm-hmm. and allowed black people to have their voices, which white people I believe should stay out of mm-hmm. uh, because it's their voice, not ours. And we we can be allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but however, I see I see so many um, people clashing uh, vigorously mm-hmm. with each other. And Natalie, I I think that I've determined what's the worst job in the United States is today, and that's being the mask checker at Walmart. Oh, I know. I w- <laughs> Those people need to be being paid a lot more for what they're doing. I wouldn't want that job. That is for sure. No, and I and I understand what you're saying, and believe me, I, I feel you. I mean, this is a time of great uh, adversity and um, conflict, but I just see that out of this conflict could come something positive if we can figure out how to transform the conversation. Because in my mind, when I'm looking at people online, for example, I'm on social media a lot, and there's all this infighting, even within a group that agrees, right? So how can we sort of take those conversations, but look at them at a higher level, look at them from the systemic issues and from the actual issues themselves and not be talking about specific politicians or, you know, that this whole, well, he did this and she did this and all that nitpicking. People are, of course, fallible. But I think if we could redirect our our thoughts to stop worshiping these people and start thinking more about ideologies and ideas and start putting our energy toward making ideas happen instead of perpetuating this mythology that someone's going to come and save us, this person, this in, this infallible person will save us. That's not realistic. But I think that's what people like to do. And I think that's how you end up with a strong man in office, which is sort of what we're seeing now, somebody that's a little more tyrannical and authoritative because people are, are hitching their wagon, so to speak, to a person instead of an ideology. Well, in the 12-step world, the 12-step says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others, and the real basis of that is to practice these principles in all our affairs. Right. And in the 12-step world, it's principles 
before personalities. Yes. And I think, too, people really need to think about what they want their own personal philosophies to be and having a sense of convictions and things that you stand by. Because I'm seeing a lot of conversations online in particular where it's like, well, it's okay when one person does or says something. But then again, if another person does or says pretty much the same thing, suddenly they're against that. And that's hypocritical, but also there's no follow through with that kind of philosophy. That means you're not really standing for anything in particular. Once again, you're sort of standing for a person that's most likely going to disappoint you in the end in one way or another. And so when I think about how I want to view the world, I try not to talk too much about in particular people, but instead let's talk about ideas. Because at the end of the day, we all want very similar things. We may not agree on how to get them, but I think we all want clean water and clean air. I think we all want a safe place to live. I think we all want healthcare and access to healthcare. I think we all, you know, need um, childcare. We need quality education. These are these are not like I like to wear blue shoes and she likes to wear red shoes, right? This is just things that people need. And so I think if we can stop dividing ourselves um, in ways that harm all of us, then we could actually have a really constructive conversation. And so that's what's been really fascinating about not being at an institution anymore, um, working for an institution anymore, because I'm able to at least speak a little more freely about things in a way that I hope is impactful and meaningful to people. Well, if you look at most corporations, most companies, most organizations, they all have a mission statement. Right. Okay. Right. So quite often what I do with the mission statement is I ask each individual to make a mission statement of their own Mm. in their life. So, and again, I refer a lot to the 12-step world. So there's two purposes to 12-step recovery. Number one is to stay clean and sober. And number two is to carry the message. So when we have a group conscience meeting, that's our mission statement. Stay Mm -hmm. clean and sober, carry the message. Mm -hmm. And if anything gets brought in that is not congruent with the mission statement, we don't discuss it. Hmm. It's not something that we need to we need to talk about. Right. Right. And I think that's actually really interesting because then you're not distracted by things that aren't relevant. Right. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on online in particular is there's a lot of distraction. But at the end of the day, I, I really do believe we're a lot more alike than we are different. And the things that are different about us they could be utilized to our advantage, you know, because bringing in different ways of thinking about a problem is you're more likely to find that solution. Well, Natalie, we at Fishing Without Bait are going to challenge you <laughs> to come up with a mission statement. <laughs> a, pertaining to myself? Well, pertaining to yourself. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, well, can you tell me yours? Our mission statement is correlates with 12-step recovery, which is to do the next right thing. Okay. Okay. We do the next right thing. And we look at individuals to say that we look at that of God in everyone. Mm. Okay. And when people come to see us, our philosophy is those who can pay should pay. Mm -hmm. However, those who have the honesty, open mindedness and willingness to try finances should not be an obstacle to their recovery. That's a good mission statement. (laughs) All right. So I'll go with I play I play with a lot of themes anyway, so I'll just I'll just give you what I've been working on lately. Um, the work that I'm trying to do and the person that I'm trying to be is somebody that inspires, educates, and then activates others 
to go forward and do things in their community that broaden their sense of collective humanity and connect each other in ways that are both healthy and constructive. Okay. So when we have staff meetings, I usually start it off with, I'm not interested in hearing how we can't do something. Right. I'm interested. I'm only interested in hearing how we can. That's right. Yeah. And that's the truth. I mean, I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but there is that old saying, if you say you can't, you're right. You know, I mean, if you, if you start from that point. Well, they're self-fulfilling. That's prophecies. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. So if you, if you try to redirect that and look at what you're able to do or what you can do, even if it's a small thing forward, any momentum forward is a good thing, you know, and especially right now. I mean, I'm somebody, I want it done yesterday, right? And I want it big and I want it done yesterday. And so if this has been extremely challenging for me this last, what are we at now? This is probably almost six, five or six months into this and pandemic experiment. But um, it's been really challenging because I've had to step back. I've had to stop. I stopped working for a couple of weeks, um, which was weird, and really slow down. I mean, I'm I'm still not working nearly what I was. And I'm also an Aries. So it's like, I'm not one to reflect. I'm kind of one to just keep going. <laughs> so it's been interesting taking that time to really reflect and say, was I even, was I doing things that were good for me, that felt good to me, that were better for me? And maybe now that I have this time, I'm saying no to more things, I find, but in a oh. in a healthy way. Like, I don't feel as beholden to people or systems like I did just a few months ago. I feel very liberated right now, which is an interesting place to be. <laughs> well, everybody's in recovery from something. Yeah. Whether it's chewing your fingernails. Yes. Okay. Yes, so yes. in recovery, we look at people, places, things, and I also look at boredom. Mm, okay. Interesting. So when we look at people, we look at the people in our lives. Are they helping us grow? Are they beneficial for us? Right. Are they good for us? Right. So we want to be around people who are like-minded. We want to mm-hmm. be the people who encourage us and support us and challenge right. us. And the places, we continually place ourselves in vulnerable positions to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We continually go into places and deal with things that we have no control over and aren't beneficial for us. The things that we look at when we wake up in the morning wondering how I'm going to buy that new iPhone or whether I'm going to be able to upgrade my car this oh. year. Uh, we have a, the media has really, there's no, the gray area between what we need and what we want is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's all, what we want. Mm-hmm. They try to get into your head. You want something and you need it both. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. I think for me, I'm in recovery from um, busy culture for sure. I mean, every second of every day was filled, filled. And I'm not exaggerating. I can't tell you the last time I took like a real vacation. I can't tell you the last time I sat around and did quote unquote nothing, right? And then when this pandemic hit and I found myself at home suddenly, it was like I was grounded, right? I mean, I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't doing anything. My whole life was just shut down. And I was so happy. And it was weird. My husband was saying to me, you just seem so happy. And I realized I hadn't really been spending much time 
with him in a meaningful way for six years because of my job. And I started, you know, looking at the house differently because I'd never really spent much time in my own home. I mean, I really was, I, I, my goal was say yes to everything because you don't know if another opportunity is going to come and you don't want to upset anybody because everybody's a connection and everybody, this is all networking and you need to do X, Y, and Z and you need to please everybody. And, you know, you just spread yourself insanely thin. And then having suddenly time to myself where I was like, I'm going to sit here on the couch and read a, this book that's literally been sitting on my nightstand for three years, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I it was liberating. And now I have created such an interesting schedule for myself because I work right now from 9 to about 3 or 3.30. I take, you know, a half an hour, 45-minute break for lunch. And I do yoga every day now at 4.30. I, I jump on my studio classes. And then I'm done, for the day. Mm. And I can't tell you, well, first of all, my husband loves it because now I'm cooking every night, so he's not complaining. But it's it's been really great for my marriage because I really, he we've always had a great relationship, but I did not realize how much I was kind of just taking it for granted that it was just going to stay that way because I was just, I felt like, well, he can't get mad I'm working. He can't get mad I'm working. But really, when I look back, I'm like, what was I doing all of that for? You were a time thief. I would, yes, I was. And, you know, after you lose people, people that are close to you, you know, I lost my dad and then my grandmother three months later in 2019, you really start to look at time differently and the perspective on everything changes. And all of a sudden, the things that seemed really important to me didn't seem important at all. And the things that I wasn't really giving much mind to all of a sudden were very important. Like, my garden all of a sudden became something I really needed to focus on. It was something I needed to give time to that I would have never, you know, thought about two years ago. Well, we want to, what we try to help people do is to figure out what's important yes. in their life. Yes. I usually, we go through the time as currency. It's the most valuable asset mm -hmm. that people have and they get to choose yes. how to use it. They get to choose. It, and what I hope everybody has as an epitaph if they have a tombstone is no regrets. That's what I'd like everyone's to say. That's right. And, you know, it's funny because I don't think I thought I had much choice with time before. I, I was just doing too much for too many others. And, like, I just didn't – It. I was so consumed with work and just doing everything for everybody – that it, there was no time to even think about choice. It was my my planner every day was just from 7 a.m. till 11 p.m. was just filled up. Then stuff. you, Natalie, left yourself behind. I did. And it's been so good that everything kind of, you know, blew up in a way because I don't, I don't know. I think I would have been just heading for a brick wall at 90 miles an hour and not seen it coming like before I would have smashed into it. So I'm trying to find the silver lining in this pandemic and, you know, reconnecting to myself, I think, has been that. Well, there's been many, many, many books, seminars, talks, webinars on time management. Efficiency yeah. experts are hired with the stopwatches, okay? But very few books have been written on energy management. Uh, that's it, because, I, because to your point, I have very good time management skills, and that's why I was able to do so much. But in terms of energy management... Like you said, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, 
you need you need to replenish yourself. And I'm I'm recognizing this. I started following this great Instagram account called the Nap Ministry. And it's about the idea of rest as a form of resistance, as a form of social resistance, as a form of social justice, and recognizing how you can't you can't fill from you you can't help people. What's that term? You can't fill from an empty cup, or you can't you know what I'm saying though. Um, you can't give from an empty cup. And so this idea that rest has to be part of your self-care, a, a part of your day. And, you know, I've started taking the weekends off. I haven't taken a weekend off, I don't know, in seven or eight years. I mean, I, it, so that was like, that's been liberating too. So it's just, but I also recognize that privilege because there are a lot of people right now that taking any time for themselves is very, very, very challenging and well, what do you do with that? It can also be viewed as selfish and self-centered. Well, at, well and, and that's part of the not. reason that you don't do it, right? I mean, I definitely viewed it that way. Like, oh, it must be feeling nice. Feeling guilty. Completely feeling guilty. Completely. Oh, my gosh. I still am feeling kind of guilty. I mean, I'm still working through that where it's like, it's okay that it's Saturday afternoon and you're just hanging out. Like, that's okay. <laughs> One of the hardest <laughs> the abilities is to say no. Exactly. And that no is a complete sentence. You can say no and still be a good person. Yes. And simply because somebody got annoyed at you does not mean you should have said yes. Exactly. And for people pleasers out there, you know, I see you <laughs> because I am you. And I think that's been something I've always um, grappled with is, oh, you don't want to upset anybody. You know, and part of that's probably being socialized as a woman, as a, as a girl too. And But part of it too, I think, is just personality, you know, and how you're raised. So you're always trying to do for others. But sometimes I think, you have to take that step back and acknowledge that you're allowed to be in that equation as well. well. Giving and giving and giving is not the be-all of life. I agree. So Finding a balance. In the Christian Bible, when uh, one of the scribes was trying to confuse Jesus, and they asked him, what's the two greatest commandments? Well, Moses had 540 laws, okay? <laughs> so but what he said was, love the Lord God with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what that's telling me is you can only love your neighbor in direct proportion to how much you love yourself. That's right. Yeah, and, and you know, it was interesting, too, to that point, when I finally had time to rest and reflect and re reprioritize, that was sort of at the same time when the George Floyd incident happened. And I recognized that I think my generation, I'm a, I'm a millennial, you know, it's not that we didn't want to be involved politically, but we were all just grinding so hard with work because we came out of college and there was a recession in 2007, 2008. There was an, another collapse. We, a lot of us were swimming in debt from school. And there weren't a lot of social safety nets. So we went right into the workforce, full steam ahead. A lot of us had side gigs and side hustles and all that. So when the bottom kind of fell out, I've talked to a lot of my friends about this. And it was like all of a sudden you pulled your head out of the sand and you're like, oh my God, look at what's going on around the world. I'm not okay with any of this. But we've been working so hard. We didn't, we didn't know. We didn't have the capacity and the energy, right, the energy management to be able to redirect towards the greater good. And so now with all of these protests, I think it's almost like, it's like divine timing because without COVID and everything that happened economically, I don't know if what happened to George Floyd would have created 
the impact that it did because people finally had the time to see what was going on around them and say, this is not okay. And I'm not working right now, or I'm, I'm way back on my hours right now. So I actually have the time to get involved, to protest, to uh, join a committee, or I, I don't have as much time, but I have more time than I did. I can, I can donate to these causes. I can get more involved. I can talk to my family. And so I just find it interesting that all of these things have lined up and have made me definitely take pause and just wonder how they all interact and connect together because I do think there is a strong connection there. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.